Well, look at the time, look at the time. Time is now 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock is the time. And we are right here. Thank you all for tuning in to Plug In with Robert Muhammad and Friends. And I chose this music today, man, because it's so inspirational, so motivational by William Murphy. I'm just going to let this play, but this is your season, family. It's your season to get everything that you have been working for. It is your time. Yeah. I encourage everybody to check out William Murphy. It's an old song, but it is one of those that are good, man. I mean, I play that song as my morning affirmation when I wake up, and it just reaffirms all of the grind, the hustle that I've been putting in work over the past 10 years. Now, if, you, if you've been following me from season one to season two, you guys know that this is Plug In, where we plug you in with all of the information that you need in order to make you successful. I am not one of those type of business owners or uh, motivational speakers to where it's all about me. Because anyone who's been doing this business long enough to, long enough, knows that the success, the success is in changing other people's lives. I mean, the money is great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I won't give none of it back. <laughs> but the money is good. But the thing about it is, is you know that what you have been working for and what you have been doing over whatever long length of time you've been doing it. The success is, is, is in helping others change their lives. You know, Snoop Dogg says that the game is to be sold and not told. Now, I do do that as well because, again, time <laughs> is money. But the old saying is if you teach a man to fish, he can eat forever. So we give you all of the tools and the information that you need in order for you to eat forever and not to just make you a fish sandwich and eat one meal. Now, family, I have been amped up. For two weeks now, <laughs> in this guest right here, I've been knowing her for some time. I've been following her on all the social media platforms and have seen remarkable strides. Oh my God! And I left my old man glasses. You know, when you get old, family, you know your eyes. Are <laughs> so I'm going to try to push this paper all the way across my desk right here so I can read. But um, I want you to take a walk with me. And I want you guys to forgive me because since I've relocated to Florida, Florida, they, they, the, the weather and the allergies down here are so disrespectful. And it will drop at a, any moment's notice. And people think, what's, what's wrong with you? But it is allergies. And you guys know, if you know me, you've been friends with me for however long, you guys know that I've been battling that for a long time. But anyway, um, here we go, family. Imagine you have your very own talk show. Not just a radio show or a TV show. Those are good. And that's prime time, major. But um, if you are not a syndicated show, your audience is very limited. Uh, but having a show that reaches all over the world and you don't have a ceiling, uh, helping people heal their pains, heal their pains or their struggles by sharing your story. Now, I want you to walk with me now. Imagine you have that type of platform to where you can share your story with people all over the world from the confines of your own home. And your personal story. Well, my next guest has built that platform. And through her telling sharing her story to her listeners on her podcast the queen's dream radio plugged in uh viewers i want you guys to welcome with me miss chanel andrews bag the queen dream radio host herself what's going on Hi. Hi, you guys. 
Oh man, this is gonna be fun. Look, I have been following you for a long time. Thank and you so much. I remember when you first broke out the Queen Dream, um, uh, uh, when it was just a dream, and now that has come to fruition. Now exactly. you're on a different platform uh, than plugged in, which is not a problem because podcasts can be listened to anywhere, uh, and you guys can see at the bottom of the screen to where. I'm going to blow this up because I need to see everything. There we go. I want to do it just as the, the viewers or the listeners are viewing it now. And you guys can see it on the bottom of her uh, frame uh, where you can go in and listen to Queen Dream Radio, which airs every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, and Miss Chanel, Miss Hello. Chanel, uh, I've read that you just like to go by nail. Yeah, I go by nail or nails. So what's the story behind shortening like that? Because Chanel, I mean, that's not too long. All my family pretty much calls me Nelly, but as I've gotten older, I use nails because they help me connect with my dad more. Um, my dad was murdered when I was nine years old. And when I was little, that's what he always called me. He was like, I was his nails. And it was just like a thing. So when I when I got into podcasting and when I got into um, to doing this, it kind of was like in memory of him. It was like just giving him a piece of it and, and, and implementing him in a way that I could. Since he's not here to physically take part in it, I felt like using nails or nail was a way to honor him. Okay. Now that's awesome right there. That's awesome. So now the, the, the story behind from, from my, my reading uh, mm -hmm. and following up with, with what, what, what you have going on on your platform, mm -hmm. you aren't that old. You I'm are not. a young woman. I will be 30 next month. Next oh, month, I celebrate wow. my 30th birthday. 30? I can remember 30. <laughs> yeah. I barely remember it, but I, I can remember. Um, but 30, and, and that sort of length of time that you've been on this physical plane, which we call Earth, mm -hmm. have gone through a lot for a woman of your age. I have. Um, what you want to share with somebody? Now, uh, again, family, this is not one of those stories because I promise we're going to get to it. We're going to get to the best part of the story of how uh, Miss Nail overcame those adversities and those trials and those triumphs. And to get to this platform that she's on now when she's hosting her own podcast and, and sharing her story and helping other women go through that. So um, just, you don't have to go in depth uh, or as much in, in, if it's too, too sensitive, um, but just give them a highlight because there are other women, not just women, there are other people that's going through their own trials and, right. and and what we want to get to them eventually is to the point that they too can come out on the other side just like you did so exactly. some of the things that that that, that you share with your listeners on, on on your podcast um the one thing i share with people is that i i feel like for me it was a journey out the gate i feel like from from day one it was a, a fight for survival. You know, my mom was in prison when she gave birth to me. Growing up, I had a really rough childhood. You know, my dad was murdered by an off-duty police officer in Tampa, Florida, um, and he was a black man. So that was really hard to deal with. Um, I went from, you know, a really loving family where my dad raised me and my brothers and my sister, you know, all together in the same house to being split up, not seeing some of my siblings, um, really just being me and my brother. And from there, you know, I went through living in, in places where I was abused. We were tortured. I went through like situations where I was raped. Um, I went through a lot as a child. And as a young person, when I was young, the one thing that I found was um, I was in a group home and I found the military. Um, and that kind of gave me guidance. It kind of gave me hope. It gave me a light at the end of the tunnel that I didn't have to be a product of my environment. It gave me what I was always searching for, which was just that family feeling, that structure that I felt like I never had. Um, so I joined the military. 
Um, I went to college. Um, I joined a sorority. Things were going really good. Things were going really um, positive and in a positive way. Of course, you know, being young, I was like, okay, I got the world figured out. I was 22 years old. Um, well, let's take it back to actually in 2010, I that was my first goal with cancer was in 2010. I had um, tested positive for cancer cells on my cervix. So I had a leak procedure done in 2010 and then it was done. You know, they said I was fine. I, I moved on with my life. Um, at 22 years old, I had a lumpectomy done on my left breast, which is basically where they just went in and removed a tumor that was there. They opted to asking me to have a double mastectomy then, or at least a mastectomy on my left side then, um, to prevent it from coming back. But I was young. I was naive. I was 22 years old. I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Like, you're not taking my breast. Like, no, I'm not doing that. So I opted not to have it. Um, I was told I would never have children. And um, after my first situation with having breast cancer, I ended up having two children. I had my daughter in 2015. Um, my daughter is a complete miracle. They told me like my daughter wasn't gonna make it. They literally made my mom sign a document that was like during childbirth, who do we save? Do we save the mom or the baby? You know, my mindset was always save my child because I knew my child was a gift from God. And um, three years later, I had my son. With my son, it was a little different because with my son, um, I was really sick. I had a high risk pregnancy. My kidneys and my my organs started to shut down for some reason um, during my pregnancy with my son. Um, so when I gave birth, I gave birth early. Um, I gave birth at 36 weeks. Exactly. Um, my son came. Um, I hemorrhaged during childbirth. Like I couldn't push him out for some reason. Like he just would not come out. And when he finally did come out, I hemorrhaged. I was rushed into emergency surgery, at which time I ended up having a partial hysterectomy done. Um, I didn't see my son until he was two hours old. That's when I came to from surgery to seeing my son. Um, so that was like a big deal for me. Um, I went through a lot of life changes to where. And, 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 well, and I don't want to cut you off, but no. all this happened at what age were you after the second son? Um, at my when I had my son, my, that was three years ago. So I had just I was just about to turn twenty seven. Wow! So in mm -hmm. twenty seven years, that's a lot. That's a lot. Now you did have some upswings in, in that time period. You know, okay. you, you joined the military. Um, you were in college. You play as a sorority, which I hope you play as the best sorority, the AKAs. But, uh, but we're going to Z5 till we die. Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> another one. She didn't know no better, y'all. She didn't know no better. She was confused. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we're going to let that slide because the rest of her story is so... I mean, because you went through so much. But I'm going to touch on that later on in this show as to why I say I shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done what? The sorority? I shouldn't have joined a sorority. Really? Now that... Mm -hmm. I, okay, okay, okay. We'll touch on that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come back on that one. Yeah. Oh, because you're going to make a whole lot of Z babies upset now. But it's the truth, though. Like, I don't I don't regret it, but I, I feel like I should have waited. I don't feel like I should have did it when I did it. Okay, okay. So it's not the fact that you regret joining the sorority. It was just mm -hmm. not at the wrong, at the right time. Right. Okay, I understand that. I can, I can get that. I, I have some of those experiences myself. Right. Um, not that I regret doing them, but I wish that I had waited. But mm -hmm. you know, that's the funny thing about life. Life um, situations present themselves mm -hmm. at the times that they present themselves. Because I, I'm a firm believer that our story has already been pre-written before we ever right. on this physical plane. So, but it's where we are with ourselves, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, that are we prepared for when those situations present themselves? Uh, in, in my studies and in my travels, I've come across a study that says that we need to always prepare ourselves for positions waiting us. Mm -hmm. And it's not the fact that, um, there's an old saying that used to say, everything happens within a season. But when the situation presents itself, that's our season for the situation to come in. Mm -hmm. The thing is, are we prepared? 
and how to handle it. Right. Uh, a lot of situations where I know from uh, past experiences coming up, uh, drugs come to everybody. But I know that some people um, weren't prepared for that side of, uh, of life. Right. And drugs can do one of two things. Either it's going to do you a terrible job because we weren't prepared for it, or if for those of us or for those uh, people out there who were prepared for it, they knew it was coming and they knew how to handle the business. Right. Now, in, 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 in your story, you were prepared for some situations that a young person, an average young person, would have just crumbled and gave up. You know what? I'm not going to say that I didn't have those moments because that's one of the things that I touch on is depression and anxiety. Um, I think that I think that my dad gave me such a foundation of saying that I'm going to be okay and I have to make him proud and I have to live in his honor and I have to let him live through me that every situation that was meant to break me, I didn't let it break me. I'm not going to say that I didn't have moments where I bended or I, I cracked a little bit, but I never broke. I never, I never broke. Like I never let it, I never let it get to me. This last go around with cancer, I remember when it hit me. Like I, I specifically re still remember the moment that it hit me. And I was on the phone with my husband and I was sitting and I just told my husband, I was like, I don't want to die. Like, I don't want to be afraid. Like I was afraid. Like I was like, I, I have cancer. And I was like the first time I said it out loud. Like I had not actually physically said I have cancer out loud to anybody, not even to him. Um, and I think like at that moment, it was just knowing that even in my weakest times, I had like that person to say, okay, like we're not, I'm not gonna let you fold. I'm not gonna let you, I'm, I'm not gonna let you stay in this spot. Like we gotta, we gotta do something to move you from here. And it, it, it had to be like at my lowest, I felt like I can't get no lower than where I'm at right now. So the only way up from here is up. The only thing to do from here is to rebuild and is to go up. And whatever God has in store for me, I, I'm a firm believer in that no one can take what's mine. If God got it for me, it's for me. And if God, for a long time, especially as a young person, this is pre my, my current situation with having cancer. When 27 and younger, I, I, I did not have a relationship with God. I did not, I was not spiritual. I did not have a walk with God. I, I vividly remember when I accepted God into my life. I, I, I didn't, I questioned God, like, why me? Why take me through all this? Why take my dad from me? Why give me a mom that's on drugs? Why, and why was I adopted? Why was I raped? Why was I abused? Why was I tortured? Why was I, why did I go through these things? Like, I really felt like an ant on top of a molehill that God was just picking on. Like, why me? And when I had my son, I had postpartum depression very, 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 very bad. Like, I had, like, extreme postpartum depression. And I, I was so suicidal. I remember I was sitting in my truck and I had a bottle of pills in my hand. And I remember I prayed for the first time in so many years. I, I actually broke down and prayed and I asked God, I said, God, if you get me through tonight, I'll live for you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you just get me through this moment, just get me through right now because my kids need me. My, my children's father had just went to federal prison and it was just me. I was all they had and I was like God don't don't let me do this like I don't want to be taken away from my kids but I'm battling it was me versus me I was so tired I was so broken I was such a half of a person at that time that I didn't see no way up and I, I feel like God had to break me down to my lowest to prepare me for this because God knew what was coming down the road he knew breast cancer was around the corner and I would have never been able to handle that had I not gone through that experience and accepting God into my life and, and, and starting to have a walk with God. And when I did that, I feel like things started to shift. Things started to move, but it wasn't all in a positive direction because I feel like once I got a relationship with God, here came the devil. The devil was coming ready 
to kill, steal, and destroy. And it was just like one thing after the next. And I'm like, God, I'm living for you. I'm living right. I'm doing what you asked me to do. Like, I'm finally on my feet. I got me a car. I got me a place. I got me a job. Me and my kids moved from a whole, from, to a whole nother city three hours away. And now I'm on my feet and I'm moving forward, God. And out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, I get hit with, okay, I got a tumor in my left breast again, and it's breast cancer. And at this point now, it's not let's just do a, a, a lumpectomy and take it out. Now is we're going to take this out. We're going to take your breast. There is no question about it. This is what's going to happen. And not only did they take my left breast because that was the breast that was infected, they took both of them because I then at that time I had found out that I had a tumor growing on the right side. It wasn't cancerous yet, but I did have a tumor on my right side that was starting to form. So they just was like, we're going to take them both. They started me on chemo pills and I was so sick at first because chemo pills are so hard to take. It was so hard for me. My husband used to get on to me so much because I'd be like, I'm not taking these pills. Like I'm just not doing it. And so it was really hard. And it was some days where like all I could do is cry. Like all I could do is just ask God to get me through the, the hour. I couldn't even say take it one day at a time. I literally had to take it one hour at a time. One, you know what I'm saying? One, it was at one point, especially right after my first surgery, where I remember that we were literally going through 30 minute increments. We were watching a show called On My Block, and it was, it literally was just me and my husband. That was it, it was just me and him. And we were literally watching On My Block for 30 minutes at a time. And every 30 minutes, he was checking in like, you good? You got it. You in pain? Did you check your drains? You know, did you take your medicine? You know, because I went through a lot. When I said I went through a lot, I went through a lot. Okay. And, 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 and that's, you know, that reminds me, and, and not to get biblical about it, because people know if, if you've been following me for a while, you guys know that I'm, I'm, I don't push or press religion on anybody. But two things that I gathered from that story, or from, from you talking, is that you you had a you came to the realization and finding your faith, and, and anybody I'm a student of the Bible, uh, uh, and for those of you who know by, simply by reading my last name, I'm, I don't practice Christianity, but I grew up in the church. Uh, my mother has been living that book all my life, even to this day. She is still the same. So if anybody that I can say is is 100% Bible. That's mom. Shout out to mom, Deuce. How you doing, mama? Hey, mom. But the thing about that is um, one of my favorite stories from the Bible is the story of Job. And I, I, I talk a lot about that when I'm, I'm talking to people on stage or if I'm talking on the podcast. I encourage anyone to read that story of Job. Because when you realize Job was up here he was at the top of the food chain. He was God's man. And the, the Satan, God having a conversation with Satan. Now, I want y'all to pay attention to this because this is tying into uh, uh, Miss, Miss, Miss Nell's story. God asked Satan, he said, Satan, where are you going? He said, going to and fro, seeking whom I may devour. And God said, <laughs> I want you to pay attention to this because some a lot of people have read this story, but they didn't deep dive into this. God told Satan, he said, have you not considered my servant, Job? This is where the story gets good because Job wasn't even on the devil's mind. Mm -hmm. He was going around everywhere else except Job. So when you read that, it makes you stop and pause and say, God just set Job up. Ooh, let that sizzle in your spirit. <laughs> let it sizzle in your spirit, yes. But God, and, and you know the thing that, that's, that we study in Islam is that God knows what we don't know. Exactly. So it was I'm a reason why he said Satan over there to Job. And then Satan even still tried to back out of it. And he says, wait a minute. Don't you got a protection around him? Conversation between God and Satan. 
He said, don't you got a protection around him? And then God come back and said, I'll remove the protection. Look at it now. God throwing him in a situation that Job got everything fine. Now, when you feel further, I'll read down in that story. Job lost everything that he had. His children, his wealth, his cattle, his land, everything in the midst of a conversation, verse after verse after verse after verse, adversity, trial. I mean, he was getting, he was getting to the point the man had boils on his skin. And he sat down in the ashes. Now I'm taking y'all somewhere, but then we're gonna get because I'm just tying in to Miss Chanel's story. Father was murdered. Mother in prison. Mother on drugs. She was abused as a child. In and out of group homes. Just Job. You are the female version of Job. And and when you when you look at it, and this is what we do at, at plugged in because when you do a self-autopsy on yourself, people, you start to find out that when God takes you through situations and all of these pains and everything, he knows what type of person you are built. He knows what type of cloth you cut from. Then we can say, just like Job said, because it got so bad to the point that Job wife said, you ought to just cuss God and die. That's what how much he was getting hit and hit and hit. And I know there's some listeners out there. You was born into bad situations or you growing up in bad situations. But understand that there is a bigger plan mm-hmm. that I've been night mine. See, let me tell y'all something that I just uh, 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 watched the video. And then we'll get right back to this. God don't care nothing about your skin. Let me say that again. He don't care nothing about your skin. And people get there and just like you did, you got to the point of questioning. Now we have that ability to question because God is in us. It's only two beings that can question and that is human beings and the supreme being God himself. And angel doesn't have that ability to say, God, why are you sending me over here? Or God, why are you taking me through that? Even Satan don't even have that ability to ask God, why you make me like this? It is what it is. Right. God breathed the breath of life just like that. Mm-hmm. He, he shared himself with us. Right. Why we can do and make and create and all of this stuff and overcome adversities and trials because listen, when you get to the understanding family, that when you start praying to the God in here and not to the God out in outer space, that's when things started happening and changing. Because when you pray and you pray to the God within. Now, listen to me. Mm-hmm. One thing that I love about your story is you had an anchor. Mm-hmm. I did. And that was your father. Mm-hmm. Because out of all of that that you went through, the remembrance of that. How important is that for uh, the listeners out there or the people who are going through their own personal trials and their own personal hell? How important is it to have an anchor that can keep you in the road? Um, I feel like having that anchor is extremely important. I think that um, I had it in two. I had I had two different. I had it in two different aspects. Okay. I will say that like my knowing that my dad was with me and knowing that like he was there. I write him letters a lot, and I I, I talk to him as far as like just. Yeah, still to this day, I still write him letters. I still communicate with him. Anybody who knows me personally knows that like dead people creep me out and like things that are dead freak me out. So like I don't like to feel like I'm talking to the dead, but like I still write him letters and I still like communicate with him. Like I'll write him and like I'll still communicate with him like that. Um, but I think that the um the second part to that was 
honestly like my husband like i think that my husband reinforced that my husband was like now what would robbie think or my husband would be like he would he would always reinforce that behavior and he would always reinforce like you know we doing this for a purpose we doing this for a reason so i think having that anchor is extremely important no matter what situation you're going through whether you're going through cancer whether you're going through um situations within yourself whether you're suicidal depression whether you're going through an addiction you know whatever you're dealing with as a person whatever adversity you're feeling everybody needs to talk to somebody you cannot keep everything in you you cannot be superwoman I had gotten to a point in my life where I did it all by myself. You know, I was a single mom. I, I did it all by me and with me. And I feel like the circumstances and, and areas and, and the, the the by happen chance that I even met my husband, I feel like it all happened in, a, in perfect alignment because he, he came in and it showed me that for one, I needed that person to have an outlet to talk to, but then it showed me that one, I didn't have to do it by myself. And it gave me that comfortability of having somebody that I could trust to open up to. It was a lot of nights where I would just talk to him about what I'm feeling and what I'm dealing with. And I couldn't imagine not having that person going through that type of a situation um, because it was such a, it was such an extreme situation. Like my situation went from normal to life or death in a matter of days and having Having that, let me, the one thing that I, I feel like my husband did the best and, and, and the one thing that he, I feel like he succeeded at the most was that he stood in the gap. In the moments where I lost my faith, in the moments where my faith was tested, and I, w- I would never say I lost faith because I never lost faith, but like in my weakest moments where I couldn't stand for myself, I feel like my husband stood in the gap with me. He prayed with me. He prayed for me. He talked to me. He would send me little scriptures. He would send me little quotes. Um, he would talk to me. It was at one point where we were on the phone for 24 straight hours. Like he just did not hang up at all. Like he was there with me literally every minute, every second of the day. That's a shout out to the husband. Because, <laughs> and a, a lot of us need to realize that our, our, our support system is what keeps a lot of us from being successful. Right. Not just in business, but in everyday life. Right. What system and having a good, strong foundation is very important because we've we've all had those friends that just love to turn up all the time. Mm-hmm. And they don't care anything about your situation. They're the most selfish people in the world. Mm-hmm. You are going through. They can't be found. So, but I, I give a shout out to any man that has stepped up and fulfilled that role and obligation as being a real man or a real husband. And he did. He did an amazing job at it. And what, what even what makes me so even more proud of him and 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 and, and shout outs to him is like my husband did all of this from prison. Like he did all of this from being incarcerated. Like even being incarcerated, he didn't miss not one doctor's appointment. He didn't miss one scan. He didn't miss one treatment. When I lost my hair, he cut off his hair. When I was at my lowest, he he never made me feel different. When I lost my breast like permanently, um, which I'll get into how that happened. But when I lost my breast permanently, he was like, I don't care. He was like, I still love you. He was like, it didn't change how he looked at me. It didn't change how he felt about me. If, if he had it his way, I probably would have never got the implants and it probably would have never went as bad as it did had I listened to him in the beginning, but he never made me feel different. It, it's like days, like even now, still to this day, like I'd be like, I'm a it, like I'm a it, like I don't have like the things that make a woman a woman. And he'd be like, well, you my it, like you my baby. He was like, I don't care. He's like, I love you for you. And it's just like, that's what this situation has taught me is that having that support system is so important and it's so imperative and being that you said turn up i'm gonna tie this into why i said what i said about my sorority and i'm gonna say this to any young woman out there that i joined a sorority for that i joined a sorority thinking that that my sorority was going to give me that family it was going to give me that connection it was going to give me that support that i was looking at that i didn't have from my home life that i didn't have from my my personal life 
for one, I feel like I was too young. For two, I feel like I didn't have enough awareness of myself to have done it. So I don't blame it solely on my sorority. But I will say that fast forward to my situation with my cancer, I found out very quickly and very realistically who really had your back and who really is down for you. And, you know, I was Z5 to the end. Like, couldn't nobody tell me nothing about my sorority, especially because I loved it. I, I earned it. Like, I, I worked for that. Like, I, I, I was, I wasn't, I ain't signed no papers. Like, I was made. Like, I, I earned that. Right. So I was very proud to be a Zeta. But in the midst of my storm and in the midst of my darkest hours and in the midst of, like, everything I was going through, not one person, not one sorority sister reached out. And it's not no. just the sorority or the fraternity world. I, I've gone through, and a lot of people out there that have gone through that. I mean, people join gangs for that same exact reason. Right. You know, and then before it's even realized, it's too late. Either you're right. or you're incarcerated all for the familyness of the gang. Right. And people feel like, oh man, I'm down for whatever because this person. Uh, allowed me to drink before I was even legal to drink, or this person was giving mm -hmm. me drugs and dope and all this other kind of stuff. And see, that's the facade that a lot of people even go through. Right, exactly. You have to remember what the job of the enemy is. Mm-hmm. See, one thing about it is, and I'm and I, I didn't mean to cut you out, but one thing about it, speaking on that before, because I'm gonna lose my train of thought. The job of the enemy is to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. And I always tell my listeners, I always tell like my people, my young people that follow me, I give them this analogy: a, a robber and a burglar is not going to break into an empty house. Right. A robber and a burglar is not going to break into an empty business. If there's nothing of value in this business, they're not going to rob it. You're not you're not going to rob a bando like you're not. So when it comes to, to who you are as a person, you have things inside of you that are valuable. Your peace, your sanity, your faith, your your state of mind, your your relationship with God. All of those things are valuable. When the devil comes in, he's knocking at your door to steal those things. He's coming in to, to rob you of those things. And it's on you to protect those things the same way you will protect your house. You come in my house. I got a, a whole load of clip for you. This, but I'm that same way spiritually. Right, right, I'm that same because you are your house. You are your temple. Y'all don't ban me off a of podcast. <laughs> We're talking about spiritual bullets. Right. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking, I'm talking spiritually. You are your temple. You are your house. You have to protect you at all costs. And if somebody or something is coming in to rob you of those things, rob you of your peace, rob you of your joy, rob you of your sanity, rob you of anything that is beneficial to you if you're not benefiting me you're 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 hurting me by default if you're not adding to me you're taking away by default and i've had to learn that going through my situation with this cancer the last time because i put so much faith in the people that i thought was my friends the people i thought was going to be there and, and within myself and i had to learn that i have to protect me at all costs because when they come to my friends i'm gonna pull up pop out ride or die i'm there for everything but who was there for me you know what i'm saying so i have to think about that when it comes to me and that's what i want young people to get is that you are you have to protect you you are the best person and you are the first line of defense for yourself. So and you have to take self-care. After going through all of that, mm -hmm. and you were on the second round, and you had your talk um, with your higher power or mm -hmm. your God or whatever, whatever you want to call it. You know, we, mm -hmm. we, we don't we, we don't exercise political correctness here. Okay. <laughs> You know, the majority of people know him as, you know, whatever, whoever your savior is. Mm -hmm. uh, what got you to turn? You know, what what was it that said, okay, there has to be something better? And what made you decide to go this route? Uh, with your with your podcast and sharing your story, because a lot of people, I mean, and being a, a lot of people go through so much tragic stuff. They try to suppress and bury mm. all of that, not knowing that they can literally help 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Because I, I'm a firm believer that no situation is unique. Right. Nobody, because uh, 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 as we've all heard, there's nothing new under the sun. Thanks. And, but there are people out there who are going through the same thing that you went through. Now, some may not have had it compounded like you did. Right. But you have you have a conversation or a situation that you can speak to personally on right. a, a wide range. So what was it that made you say, okay, listen, I'm going to beat this council. Okay, listen, everything that I went through, I need to start helping other folks. What was it? Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you how crazy it was. Okay, so I had my first surgery October 19th, or October 15th, 2019. One month later to the date on November 15th, 2019, I was rushed into emergency surgery. I was severely septic. I had got sepsis. I got an infection from my first surgery um, and I almost died. And I was, I was literally like, it was life or death. Like I, emergency another Adversity. Oh, it, it gets worse. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> I went from, I had, okay, so I went from surgery one was October 2019. Surgery two was November 2019. Surgery three was December 2019. Surgery four was January of 2020. So by the time I hit January of 2020, I had had four surgeries. I had a double mastectomy. I had a revision surgery to remove the implants that got put in. Um, because they were infected and it almost killed me. Um, in December, the, they gave me so much antibiotics when I was septic that they ruptured my gallbladder. So I ended up having my gallbladder removed. And then I ended up having to go back into surgery in January to have my chest re-debriefed. Re so at that point, um, I had drains in and I found out that I would never be able to get implants and that um, having breasts of my own was pretty much out of the option because I had so much infected tissue that I literally, my chest is, my skin is, is so down to my rib cage. So I have no skin, no tissue or anything in between my skin and my rib cage. It's, it's completely like so down. Um, and then after that, I got COVID twice. <laughs> I got COVID the first time, but that's really where it started to shift for me and saying that I should have been dead, but I'm not. This was my third time having cancer. And instead of, you know, a lot of people can't say that. A lot of people can't say that they had it. So I'm like, somebody has to hear that. Somebody, somebody has to hear that and know that they too can get through whatever they're going through. It may not even be cancer. It may be, they just having a bad day. But I've I've come across so many people in my walk of life that just hearing my story and just hearing what I had what I overcame, it inspired them. And I'll never forget, like I was talking to a lady at Publix. I had lost my hair. So prior to having cancer, I had like 36 inches of my own hair. I had naturally long hair. I lost all of my hair. And I had a breast cancer shirt on. I was on the phone with my husband at Publix. And a lady was, um, I had hung up with him and she was talking to me about my situation and she was asking me about my cancer. And it was at that moment that it kind of made me realize that if I, I didn't have to look at it as a bad thing, I could look at it as in, okay, God took me through this and God gave me this because for one, it's a testimony to life. It's a testimony to how good God is. It's, it, it shows so much grace, so much mercy, so much everything because God really put his hand on me. And if I could show one more person that in this world, how good God was to me, then I feel like I've done God's work. I feel like I've done my calling. I feel like if I could save one young person from suicide, if I could save one young person from domestic violence, if I could save one young person's life, just knowing that they too can get through it. You know, when I was young, living in the projects, I didn't have a role model to look up to to say, I can get out of this. It was either you're going to rap, you're going to play ball, or, you know, you're going to, there was no way out. You know, I, I come from the worst of the worst circumstances and I made it out. And somebody needs to hear that. There's some kid in Chicago right now looking at, I'm in the worst of the worst circumstances in the worst city in the world but I can make it out too and give them that hope. It's always about spreading that hope and knowing that it, it can be done. So from that, 
I started a podcast um, and I chose Queen Dream because I chose dreaming beyond the trauma. So many times we're given, you know, so many traumatic situations, so many life or death situations, so many adversities. But let's dream beyond this. How do we heal from this? And my goal when I set out for this was to show that healing comes from you. It started with me. It's, I had to be the one to say, I'm not going to let cancer beat me. My husband can say it all day long and my husband can reinforce it all day long. But I had to believe it. I had to move past it. I had to to see it for myself. I had to be dream beyond it. And a lot of times what we do, especially in the culture I was raised in and in, you know, urban areas, you know, and I'm be just keep it honest with you. And I was raised, you know, my dad is black. So I was raised in the projects where, you know, all African-American people. And in the culture I grew up in around the people that I grew up with, you know, therapy is is a stereotype. You know, when you say you're dealing with something, you the crazy cousin or, or, oh, he just bipolar or she just this, or, you know, you, it's not, mental health is not talked about. It's not, it's not thought about. It's not given to people. And you don't have to go to therapy to start evaluating you. I didn't have to go to therapy to sit down with my husband and say, okay, look, all of these things I had been through in my lifetime, I swept it under the rug and acted like it never existed. I swept so much shit under the rug and kept it pushing that it's coming out now that I'm 30. Shit that I should have dealt with when I was 20 and 21 and 22, I never dealt with. I acted like it never happened and I kept pushing. And now I'm finding myself saying that I want to break generational curses. I want to be a better person. And I want to walk into my 30s knowing that I'm healed. I'm not carrying all that baggage with me. And that's really what Queen Dream came from. It's just knowing that you can dream beyond the trauma. Life, no one ever tells you how to heal from the bruises, the bumps, and the scrapes that life gives us. They just tell you, get over it. Life give you lemons, you make lemonade. It don't tell you what the recipe for lemonade is. You got to figure that out by yourself. It's trial and error. And so if I could come in and I can eliminate that trial and error for somebody and I could say, hey, you know, you walking down this path and you may feel this way, but let me tell you how good God was for me. And let me tell you what God brought me through and it can help you and it can it can show you that you can have better too. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you started the process uh, of overcoming and dealing with some of the the the, the adversities and trials that you have gone through in mm-hmm. your previous years, and you created because um, what I, I I read and we talked a little bit about this in the pre interview, you started a program. Um, why don't you touch on that for the listeners uh, uh, out there? Okay, so I created a program called Surviving the Seven. Surviving the Seven is seven key concepts that I feel like I've been through in my life. Because when people hear my story, it's so all over the place. It's so everywhere. It's so, you know, it's so up and so down. So I created a concept called create uh, Surviving the Seven where... I took um, seven of the most like traumatic things that happened to me, like seven things I feel like defined me as a person, seven things that made me who I was and and played a part into making me the woman I am today. And I offer um, a 24-hour hotline for all seven of these topics. Um, I offer life coaching and mentoring for all seven of these topics. Um, I feel like it was where I could give the most expertise. I feel like it was where I could give the most guidance, the most help. It was where I felt like I could give the most to somebody if they needed it. Um, if somebody wanted to take advantage of one of those seven, uh, how would they get in touch with uh, you or get in touch with someone who can give them that help and the aid that they're looking for? Okay, so everything for Surviving the Seven can be found on my website, queendreamonline.com. Um, every pretty much everything that you need to get in contact with me can be found directly through my website. Um, also, pretty much on any of my platforms, you can in, you can message me. Um, it's at Queen Dream Radio on everything. That's Instagram, Facebook, everything is Queen Dream Radio. Um, surviving the seven consists of cancer. Uh, specifically breast cancer, because that's what I went through. And that's that was what I had. Um, we have domestic violence. I went through a domestic violence situation. So I, I have a domestic violence hotline. We have rape and sexual assault, childhood trauma and adoption, because I was adopted um, as a child. Um, I, also have, I also do um, 
depression is under mental health. So it's like depression, anxiety, anything mental health related, anything that you may be struggling with, suicide, depression, anxiety. Um, those are the top three that I would prefer to stay in the realm of because I feel like I have the most experience and, and knowledge about. Um, I also have a, um, a grief hotline, a grief and substance abuse. That goes for my parents. That that ties into my parents um, for me losing my dad and then my mom being on substance abuse. And also, I'm a single parent, so any kind, any any single mom that may be having just like a moment, may just need somebody to talk to. Um, the hotline is four zero four. No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm about to give y'all my personal phone number, Lord. <laughs> Now, when she meant single, she was a single mother. She was a single mother prior to the husband. Right, prior to my husband. Right, prior to me and my husband. Yes, definitely. Yeah, this was all prior to me and my husband. But I still touch on it. Um, the hotline is 470-693-2844. So that's 470-693-2844. That's my hotline. That is a 24-hour hotline for anybody in crisis. So if you find yourself in a situation where you are in crisis and you need immediate help or you need somebody to talk to, somebody to listen, there is somebody. You are never alone. If you are in a situation where you are contemplating suicide and you are thinking that I cannot do this anymore, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There, You are making a permanent decision to temporary problems and it can be overcome. And, and it's, it's as simple as just reaching out for help. It's as simple as just saying, hey, help me. Um, I will talk to you. I will plug you in with whatever resources are in your area um, to to guide you into getting you out of that situation, whether it be calling the police, calling, you know, the suicide prevention hotline in your area, whatever we can do to step in and stand in the gap for you. We are willing to do that. I, I'm willing to step in and be there. Um, right now, my podcast is every Wednesday. Um, I, with my podcast, I try not to, I, I try not to make it too, too serious all the time. I try not to make it um, like, too in depth all the time. Of course, I go into depth. We have serious conversations, especially like with the Black Lives Matter movement when George Floyd was murdered. Those were very serious topics, especially coming from somebody who, you know, my father was murdered by a police officer. Those were very serious to me and very, you know, um, those were to were topics that I wanted to discuss and, and they were very personal for me. Um, so I go, but I try to keep it lighthearted. I try I give advice on every podcast. So I also have advice with Nell. Um, advice with nail is fun. It's, it's people that just, like I've had a crazy advice, baby mama, baby daddy drama, girlfriends, boyfriends, kids catching their parents cheating. Like I've had some crazy stuff like that people call like they'll write me and say like, OK, I need advice for this. I keep everything confidential. I never say anybody's name. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There are children out there who are catching their parents cheating. So you mean to tell me that there are parents out there that are so reckless that they're not even trying to hide it or be discreet from their own children? Wow. Which brings me to this point in the show, ladies and gentlemen, because ooh, I was finna get ratchet myself with that. <laughs> oh my God, y'all just mad. <laughs> but um, again, uh, this is the show to where you know we plug you in with the information that you needed in order to make you better successful in order to change your condition from the condition that you're in. Family, please note that anyone, no one has to stay in the condition and the situation that you're in. There's no one out there anymore who put their foot on your neck and telling you that you have to stay where you are. There's right, exactly. Coming out. Um, uh, just like if you heard with Ms. Ms. Bag, Ms. Mel Baggs tonight, you heard that she has found her way out of her condition and situation simply by sharing her story. Simply by sharing her story. So, Ms. Nell, at this particular point of time of the show, we have all of our guests do two things for us. One, that is giving a quote or a saying that is close to you that uh, it could be something like an affirmation, something that touches you uh, and keeps you driving forward to the mark. And the second one is the best advice that you can give someone, anyone out there today who is listening to the show or someone who's listening to the show that knows someone who's going through something uh, similar. 
what's the best advice that you can give them and the best quote that keeps you pushing forward? Okay, so I have two. Um, my I have one that's like spiritual, and I have one that's not spiritual for like my my listeners that are not um, spiritually inclined, like I am. Um, my first one is if you are on any of my platforms, or if you see my website, anything that is connected to me, you will see that my biggest quote that I use is God said no weapon formed against you will prosper. He never said they would not form. So what that meant to me, I heard DMX say this um, months ago, like when I first was going through my cancer, I heard I, I'm a big like um, podcast listener and he had said it on a podcast and I, that stuck with me and that resonated with me. It's still to this day when DMX said that. And I've always used that from the very start of my business back in um, March of 2020 is that God said no weapon formed against you would prosper. He never said they would inform. So weapons are going to form, but you have to keep that faith and knowing that they shall not prosper and they will not prosper because God never lied to us and he never told us he was going to do something. He didn't come through on it. He is consistent. He is concise. And he does. He's a man of his word. Um, from my viewers who are not as spiritually inclined, um, the advice I would give you is um, something that somebody in the military gave me and it always stuck with me is that facing adversities overcomes all obstacles. And what that meant to me is that when you face something head on, you will overcome it. If you hide from it, if you push it under the rug and act like it's not there, just because you act like it's not there doesn't mean it's not there. Um, so when you face something head on, you're able to overcome it. You're able to deal with it. If you if you deal with something in real time, your healing is a lot better. Your healing is a lot. Um, I don't want to say quicker, but your healing is a lot more smoother. It, you can you can find tools a lot better. You you'll learn that hurt doesn't compile hurt, and then hurt people don't turn around and hurt people when you face adversities in real time. I think that where where we where we drop the ball at for ourselves and on ourselves is we let things compile and we let things just pile up because we don't do ourselves any any service or we don't do ourselves any justice by just letting things pile up and pile up and pile up. You're putting too much on yourself. You're going to eventually pop. Um, and I think that that's something that I always stuck with me is that if you just face something head on in real time, it you'll overcome it. And you can overcome anything that you face head on. Um, you know, you just got to come out swinging. You got to come out, come out swinging. And that's what it is, Sunday, right here. Plugged in. And I'm just going to add a little bit to uh, what Miss Mailbag has said. You guys, if, if disease is, if you break that word down, D-I-S-E-A-S-E, disease broken down into two syllables, dis and dis. And it means to be uncomfortable. Something is uncomfortable. It's not at ease with inside of you. And when you have uh, something, and like what she said was, when you don't deal with that problem, it starts to fester. And it can manifest itself in numerous ways. Some people will develop ulcers. That's a way that your body is telling you that you need to handle this discomfort, personally, you need to face it one on one. Mm -hmm. You can't bury and suppress that because subconsciously it will manifest itself out. Some people will always be sick and never know why they're not. Uh, and you start hearing stories about doctors saying, well, we don't know what's wrong. It's when you don't face the adversity, you don't overcome those adversities. There are millions of people out here not just in this country, but all over the world that are facing and dealing with situations and thinking that they're dealing with it, but they're just depressing and pushing it down. And sooner or later, it's going to manifest itself. You, you, we read about stories all the time where somebody just snapped. <laughs> that, that just didn't snap. That's years and years of not dealing with mental issues and things like that. And that's what is so phenomenal about the story. Don't allow that to be you. There is a way out. There's somebody who's going through some things that you are going through. Somebody who's going through a lot of things that most grown people couldn't even deal with. Right. 27, y'all listen to this, man. 
I encourage each and every one of you to tune in to Queen Dream Radio on uh, Queen Dream Radio at 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. And you can hear more about Miss Chanel uh, Bags right here, the Queen Dream host herself. And I encourage everybody to check her out. Hey, and you guys already know, once this stream goes live, I will have all of her information in the description so you guys can check that out. Hey, Miss Chanel, I would like to do a follow-up uh, in the next six months just to let everybody know that, hey, you're still kicking, you're still pushing, and I'm, I'm ready for the book to come out. That's what I'm ready for. But it's coming! I'm going to help Miss Chanel back put her story out there in print, and we're going to get this out there for you guys. Hey, I am Robert Muhammad, and you have tuned in to Plugged In with our Muhammad and Friends. Second season, y'all, so y'all know we're doing big things. Most people, hey, can't say Two seasons, two seasons, and we already in, and it's only going to get better. Hey, family, and we are out. Y'all check out William Murphy as we get ready to tune out of this thing one more time because I love this story and, and I love this song where this brother is really just telling people that it's your season, and I mean, you are entitled to it. It's promised and it's coming. Hey, you guys, uh, what happened to my music? There we go. So. I'm going to let y'all ride out with this, and we'll see y'all next week. Same time, Monday. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Um, I jump off this. You muted yourself. I can't hear you. Mm. It's a mute on my side. It showed a little. Can okay. you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. You can hear me? Uh huh. What is going on? Hold on. <laughs> I can hear you. Okay. All right, I just got to plug back in. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I can't hear you now. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Oh, Lord. Why can't you? Okay, can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? My volume is all the way up. Okay, well, you can hear me, but I can't hear you. Okay, so what I want to drop to you is um, once you get ready, I'm going to lay out and show you the format of how you can put that book together. I think you have a phenomenal story, and I think that book can be shared with plenty, millions of people. Uh, what I would do, uh, I would recommend if you can't type it all, record it. That's how I did my first book. You can record it. I know several people that can get uh, can help you out if you don't know anyone yourself who can transcribe it and put it in the book form, correct all the punctuation in English and all of that good stuff. And it won't cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, the greatest thing after that, I also know people and I work with other people who can do your book cover for you as well. And then I'll show you how to go through KDP and get that loaded up on Amazon and also give you some other tips. Never drop a book on the weekend. Never drop a book on the weekend as a new artist okay. because you'll be competing with people like Tony Robbins, Les Brown, and all of these big name folks that got million dollar publishing deals. But if you drop that book on a Monday, then I'll show you how you can go in and run your ads to start pre-selling the book because you can already start taking money in and then uh, you let Amazon do all the work for you. It's a 70-30 split. Amazon keeps 30% and they'll cut you a check for 70% because they're going to do all of the printing and mm -hmm. shipping. All you have to do is just plug in that web or, or plug in your, your URL to where people can go straight from your platforms and then they can go in and buy the book. 
But okay. we'll, we'll talk more offline. And if you need me, sister, I'm gonna help you as much as I possibly can because mm-hmm. I think you got a story out there that you don't need to sell. Um, it will not be in your best interest to sit on your blessing. So, and then I'll show you some other avenues of how you can get booked and start speaking on stages and going into high schools and start talking to these people or possibly even earlier school systems, uh, elementary and middle schools to where people or, or teenagers and kids start really starting to have an understanding of the situation that they're in. But I'll definitely hit you up. Uh, give me a few days and then uh, whatever free time you have, just text me or inbox me. Let me know that you got a few minutes and I'll show you how to go in and find all of those places that you need to be at. Because schools now, and again, I don't want to keep harping on the money because I know that's not your, what your, or your focal point is. It's in the helping. But it, it, it doesn't hurt too. You know what I'm saying? Because schools, school, high school, high schools, high schools pay up to $2,000 to come in and talk for 30, 45 minutes. So, and then that is you helping somebody and actually telling them, and especially if you're working with the counselors and all of that stuff in the school too. See, they'll call you before they call a counselor or before they tell a teacher because you've gone through what they're going through. So, and then we can show you how to get and set up all of that stuff. All right, sister, I got to take this. I got to take this Zoom call, but keep in touch and let me know when you have some free time. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you for doing the show. No problem.